ransomware experts agree don't buy data deletion promises, and how to avoid being at the heart of a data subject complaint. These stories and more on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. Ransomware groups often give victims a number of options. Victims can pay for a decryptor to unlock their data. They can also pay to stop so-called double extortion, in which attackers are threatening to leak stolen data unless a victim pays. But should a victim ever pay for a promise from attackers to immediately delete stolen data and not sell or leak it to anyone else? Well, joining me to discuss is our resident ransomware watcher, executive editor Matthew Schwartz. Matt, what's the word on paying for data deletion promises from crooks? Well, Anna, I know this might shock you and amaze you, but experts do agree. You should never, ever pay a ransom in return for a promise from attackers to delete stolen data. Doing so is for suckers. You're just giving money to criminals for nothing in return. Of course, many victims will feel the impulse to do something, anything, to try to protect stolen data and perhaps salvage their reputation. And that impulse is understandable, laudable. But as Bill Siegel, CEO of Coveware, has told me, it's too little, too late. The moment that data left their firewall, it was gone. They failed to protect it, and it got stolen. And paying a ransom doesn't fix that or ameliorate that. It, frankly, it can exacerbate the problem. So there's really no reason to pay in those situations uh, as well, because the data is out there, and you can't put, it, you can't put the toothpaste back in the, in, in the tube. Again, the impulse to pay, to do something or anything to try and fix the damage is understandable. But other experts I spoke to said they knew of no case where attackers actually honored any data deletion promise they may have been paid to deliver. Here's ransomware analyst Alan Liska from Recorded Future. They're not going to delete your data. I I mean, just flat out. They're going to pretend to leak your data. They're going to make a copy of it and then secure delete it in front of you and make a big show of deleting the copy or even deleting the original and keeping the copy. But they're not actually going to delete your data. We've seen that time and time and time again. And I think organizations are fully aware of that. So then the question becomes, will they pay for the illusion that the data has been removed? And I don't know the answer to that. When you know your data is going to be out there no matter what, and really what you're paying for is, is the bad guy going to display it proudly on their extortion site, or are they going to sell it quietly in an underground forum? That's essentially what you're paying for, whether you want to admit that or not. While Alan's assessment might sound bleak, this is the reality. So Matt, are there any prohibitions against paying these types of ransoms? Not that I know of. Authorities in the US, the UK, and many other countries do not prohibit this, provided it doesn't violate sanctions. Authorities say choosing to pay a ransom is a business decision. From a business standpoint, however, there's some nuance here. Coveware's Bill Siegel, for example, says sometimes the only way for a business to recover from an attack is going to be if it pays for a working decryptor and hopefully gets that decryptor back. But here they are typically getting something in return for their ransom payment. If you pay a ransom for a decryption tool or key and you get the decryption tool or key, it doesn't degrade, it doesn't go away, threat actors can't take it back. And unless they re-attack your company, you'll be able to you know, hopefully recover your data if you've done you know, the right diligence and testing up front. So you know pretty quickly whether or not you've paid for something that returns value. 
right? Because the key works or it doesn't. With data exfiltration, you don't get anything in return. You can't audit that the threat actor is, you know, deleting the data. You can't look in every corner of the cyber criminal forum to see if the information is being sold or shopped anyway. There's no way to tell if the threat actor is going to come back and re-extort the organization later on. And in a lot of cases, we see that that ends up happening. Again, the plea from experts is to only pay for something real rather than for a feel-good. So then how many victims are actually paying for empty promises? There is so much we don't know about ransomware, unfortunately. Many attacks never come to light. Many victims never, ever report them. But paying for data deletion promises seems to be enough of a problem that earlier this year, Britain's privacy watchdog, the ICO, and also the National Cybersecurity Center, part of GCHQ, issued a joint plea to attorneys urging them to advise their clients to never pay a ransom for a data deletion promise. The ICO also emphasized that doing so would not reduce any fines it might levy for poor cybersecurity practices. All of this is a reminder that many ransomware groups are experts at extortion. They know the psychological levers to use to help, and I use the word help ironically here, to help victims clean up the mess. They are saying, pay us more, and we promise that although we've done a lot of bad things, in this case, you can really trust us. So Matt, the takeaway here seems to be that victims really need to know when they're being played. Yes. If I could put it in a seasonal context, Anna, don't play their reindeer games. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The ICO, which enforces the UK's privacy laws, including the General Data Protection Regulation, has published large data sets containing detailed information about breaches of personal data, data subject complaints, and the civil investigations it has conducted since the fourth quarter of 2021. The ICO's move, which came with a relative lack of publicity, has unmasked incidents involving numerous organizations. I asked Edward Machen, an associate in the Data, Privacy and Cybersecurity Group, at law firm Ropes and Gray, what practical steps can and should organizations be taking to avoid being at the heart of a data subject complaint? Yeah, I think in a strange way, being on the list from a breach perspective is not the worst thing because it shows that you have followed the law. Whether organizations will think, you know, if you have a breach that is kind of uh, could go either way in terms of reportability, do they not report to avoid going on the list? That's something that, that some organizations may be thinking about, even though really the correct thing to do would be to report. In terms of the, the other aspects, I think that nothing changes from what we've always advised. If you have complaints, if you have subject kind of rights requests, it's always best to try and deal with them head on. Don't bury your head in the sand. Try and work to find a solution with the individual or the complainant, because that will likely mean that they don't then go to the ICO. And if they don't go to the ICO, then the complaint won't be listed on the on the Excel. So having processes and procedures in place for identifying what complaints look like, if they come through to a, a, a member of call centre staff, for example, uh, does that individual know to escalate the complaint and, and get it sorted within the relevant timeframes? And even if it, it feels difficult to, to put those processes in place, I think now businesses will see that if they don't do that, then they could well end up on the list. And there are some organisations, largely public sector organisations, uh, to be fair, that, that are listed multiple times on, on multiple lists. And it may be the case that at some point the ICO will start to see the same name come up again and again. 
on what was a, an action that was that was closed down without further action maybe something that they take forward so it's it, you know it's certainly something like with the kind of complaints from individuals not to bury one's head in the sand that these lists look like they're going to be something that the ICO does going forward. So um, if you don't want to be on them, it's getting the processes and procedures in place to try and address uh, complaints and, and requests as quickly and as, as amicably as possible. And finally, governments and defenders have made great strides to better understand the scope of the ransomware problem and taken steps to disrupt it, says cybersecurity veteran and co-chair of the Ransomware Task Force, Jen Ellis. Our executive editor, Matthew Schwartz, caught up recently with Jen at Black Hat Europe to discuss recent efforts to battle ransomware, including a new project taken on by think tank RUSI. So RUSI is the Royal United Services Institute. They cover a, a sort of a pretty broad range of things, but more recently have started to do things in cybersecurity and have really actually kind of built up a good reputation in this area because the work is very credible. So they've been commissioned by NCSC, the National Cybersecurity Centre, which is part of the UK government, to look into what the harm is, what the impact is that's caused by ransomware attacks. And I can tell you, like, from the Ransomware Task Force point of view, we really wanted to get to grips with this, right? We really, really wanted to be able to make it much more tangible for people and say, this is the impact on the economy, or this is the impact on people's lives. And to be able to, like both, I think, quantify it in some way and qualify it in some way and really kind of humanize it. And it's really hard because people don't want to share their stories and law enforcement doesn't want to share data and nobody wants to share data. And so we found it extremely difficult to get to that point of being able to do that. And so now Rusi has taken that challenge on, right, and said, we are going to see if we can come up with something and they're partnering with um, an academic institution and I think that gives them an ability to really kind of go at this in a very sort of um, stringent way with like high discipline. And I, I think, you know, if you, if anybody listening to this has a story they want to share, then you should definitely get in touch with them or you can reach out to me and I will get in touch with them for you. I'm at InfoSecGen on either Twitter or LinkedIn or in fact Mastodon now, depending on which Mastodon you're on. What they need is to hear from people who have experience and are willing to share those stories. And they're super happy to keep them anonymous. Everything's going to be aggregated. You don't have to stick your neck out too much to do it. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Have a very Merry Christmas and until next time.